0: Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in.
1: All right. Hey, good morning. Uh, welcome. Super glad you guys are here today. Um, you know, the New Testament is, is just so much better than the Old Testament, Right? Like the Old Testament, it's, it's hard to understand. It's written to this other time. This, it's written to a different culture. It's written to a different people. And, and in the Old Testament, right, there's so much fighting, there's so much anger, there's so much death in the Old Testament. Um, God seems to come across as demanding. Uh, he's angry, uh, even seems to be cruel in the Old Testament. I like the New Testament so much better than the Old Testament, right? That is the thought process for a lot of people when they read through the Bible, right? Whether they're Christians or they're not Christians, right? There's a gravitation towards the New Testament and a resistance against Christians. The Old Testament. And so you have people that will engage in the New Testament. They'll read there, they'll spend their time there, and then every once in a while they'll make their way to the Old Testament, right? Maybe they'll like read the Psalms or they'll do one proverb a day uh, throughout the month and things like that. I I know of somebody who sent me a message and said, you know, uh, I'll read the Old Testament. But after I'm done reading the Old Testament, I actually have to go read the New Testament immediately after, and their words were, so that I can feel the love, right? And and so that's, and I'm not trying to belittle, and I'm not trying to make fun of that, because quite frankly, I was there for a season in my journey with Jesus, right? Like, I read the Gospels, I read the letters in the New Testament, and, and I would engage the Old Testament. I'd read, like, the big stories of, you know, creation, and Noah, and the Passover, and David, and Goliath. And David and Bathsheba, and David and, and uh, right a lot of stuff going on with David, right? Um, you know, uh, the prayer of Jabez was huge in the late 90s. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about there. Uh, if you don't, you can gloss over that. Um, but right, and so I would read in the Old Testament the, the stories that you should know from the Old Testament, but largely I would avoid the Old Testament and just live. In the New Testament, right? And so I get that, right? I understand that. But what if I told you this? What if I told you that actually God could grow you to the place where you not only read the Old Testament, but you loved to read the Old Testament? What if I told you that God could actually grow you to a place that you could hear his voice with overwhelming clarity as you read the words of the law? in the Old Testament. What have I told you that God could grow you to a place that you actually praised the Lord and you gave him thanks for the Old Testament and that you have the opportunity to read it and learn from it of who God is and what he expects. I say that because it's true, right? It's possible for God to bring you to that place. I know that for my own life, and I know that for the lives of other people as well uh, in this room and friends that I have. And so today, what I want to do is I just want to quickly share three truths with you about faith, and the law. And, and by the way, we're going to pause. We'll kind of see how things go, but we'll pause maybe about halfway into the teaching, and um, we're actually going to give you an opportunity to ask some questions uh, right here in the house. Um, if you're online, there's a little bit of a delay, so um, we'll see if we can find a way to grab questions uh, from the online group. But... Um, So if there's questions that kind of bubble up during the first part of the teaching, we're actually going to have somebody go around with with a microphone, and you can ask a question in real time. And then we'll continue on with our teaching and talk about, okay, what does faith and the law Look like in our lives today. So as Allie mentioned, uh, if you would open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter three, or you can click over there on, on your device. Uh, we are kicking off, and it'll confuse me. We are kicking off uh, a new series um, called No Other Gospel. And you might go, well, how, why are we starting Galatians three if this is a new series? Well, we actually started going through Galatians in the earlier part of the year. If you remember the series we called Reverse the Curse, uh, we went from Galatians one to about halfway through chapter three. So we're picking up the second half of Galatians, and we're going to teach you the rest of that through this series called No Other Gospel. And the intention here is to show that there really is no other gospel than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if I'm tempted, and if I actually put my faith in some other gospel than Jesus Christ, I'm actually, right, I'm wandering, I'm going places that God never intended me to go. And so that's where we're going today. Um, before we, we read this morning, what I'd like to do is just take a moment to pray together. So let's, let's bow our heads and pray. Father, I am, I am thankful that today I get to read the scriptures with my family. I get to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say to us in real time. I get to know that in this moment, we're bringing you joy. We're putting a smile in your face because your children are gathered together around you, right? We're gathered around the person of Jesus Christ because of Jesus Christ. And it's the Holy Spirit within us who brings us this unity that just doesn't make sense. And so, Father, I'm just wondering, I know like all of us are living lives outside of this place and outside of this time, and we're bringing stuff in with us. And I'm just wondering... If we would heed your words right now that says, come to me, all you who are weary, all you who are burning down with with heavy burdens and give them to me and take my yoke upon me, upon you, because I'll give you rest because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so I'm wondering if we would do a trading of burdens even right now that we would let go of the things we think we can control and the things we can manipulate into our will and our desires. And instead, we would have the courage and the faith to trust you instead. Would you do that in our lives this morning, even right now? We worship you because you are the almighty God. There's no one like you. No one gets this kind of uh, adoration. No one gets this kind of attention except for you. And so, Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see, and give us the courage to trust you and stay in step with your leadership. And we pray all these things through Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Okay, before we read, let me give you just a quick uh, background on what's going on in Galatians. So Paul is writing this letter to a group of believers. And what's happened is you have some uh, people who are Christians, but they have a Jewish background. And what these Jewish Christians are saying is, uh, if you want to be a Christian, you have to follow the law of the Old Testament in order to be a full Christian, right? If you don't, you kind of fall short and you're kind of like JV status, okay? So if you really want to play on the varsity Christian team, you need to know and you need to follow the Old Testament. And so Paul is writing in response to that, and we'll unpack where he lands on all of that. But Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 15 um, the, the words will be on the screen behind me, but you can follow along in the version that you have. And it says this. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now, the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. Now this is what I mean, the law, which came 430 years afterwards, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions, until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made, and it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now, an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law, but... The scripture imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Now uh, there is quite a bit to unpack here, but um, I've only got time to really bring up, uh, up three things. And so here's here's the first truth I want to put in front of us. It's this: God keeps the promises He makes. Okay, God. Keeps the promises that he makes. And and what Paul has done here is he is referring back to the Old Testament when God made some promises to Abraham, right? He's speaking into Abraham's life. You you look at places like Genesis 12 when God says to Abraham, uh, Come with me, I'm going to show you a new land, and I'm going to make you into such a great nation, right? It's going to be incredible. And then he says this the whole world is going to be blessed through you. In Genesis 13, God uh, kind of reaffirms that promise. And what he does also is he says, hey, Abraham, or excuse me, Abram, look all around you. Everywhere you can see on the land, I'm going to give that to you. That's going to belong to you and to your descendants. And then you fast forward again to Genesis chapter 17, right? And you have this reaffirming again, hey, look, look, I'm going to bless you. I am going to, like nations and kings are going to come from you, right? And he makes probably the most significant promise out of all of them. He says, and I will be your God. I'll always be your God. And so Paul is referring back to the fact that God made promises to Abram, who who later God changed his name to Abraham. And so he's saying, listen, God made promises to Abraham. And also, if you remember, he kept them, right? He kept those promises. Think about it. You've got Abraham who is well beyond, like, child-making years, both him and his wife, and miraculously, that's a nice way of saying old, uh, right? And so, miraculously, God gives them this son, and that's the start of this great nation. And then it multiplies and flourishes from there, right? Still today, you have the nation of Israel, millions, millions of, of people, Jewish people, all around the world, right? God kept his promise of giving the land to, to the descendants, Right? And God kept the promise that he would always be their God. And he fulfilled that the whole world will be blessed through you because Jesus comes out of a nation. What nation does he come out of as a descendant of? Israel. And the whole world is blessed. By the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so you see that God keeps all of the promises that he makes. And what that means for you and I is it means that we can trust God. That if there are promises in the scripture that God has made, and he hasn't fulfilled them yet, he's going to. Because he always keeps the promises that he makes. And we don't have to worry about, is he, will he, won't he, I don't know. See, we struggle with that because... For most of us, in our experiences, you can't trust other people, right? Other people will let you down. Other people will lie to you. Other people will take advantage of you. Other people will do things like uh, make commitments to you, and then they won't hold up to them, either intentionally or just, you know, they can't do it. They don't have the ability, right? That's, that's our experience with other people. But you need to hear this. God is not other people, God is not other people. God actually always keeps the promises he makes, and you never have to wonder, and you never have to worry, and you never have to go, well, will he, won't he? I don't know if I can trust him. You can. He has literally a track record of promises that he has made and promises he has kept, and if he hasn't kept them yet, it's because he's still going to, and you can guarantee it's going to happen, right? And so remember that God keeps the promises that he makes. Here's the second truth. Let's talk about the law for a second. Because I think this is a question that a lot of people wrestle with. What's, what is the law for, right? Paul talks about that. Here's the truth. Truth number two. The law focuses on sin. Okay? The law focuses on sin. Now, when we're talking about the law, uh, there, it's kind of a wide description. That includes everything from the Ten Commandments. It includes all of the Old Testament. It includes the, uh, the community guidelines for the nation of Israel, how you worship the Lord, how you settle disputes, right? All of those things, when you see in the Bible somebody referring to the law, they're mostly referring to basically the Old Testament. Sometimes it's one aspect of it, but they're typically pointing to the Old Testament. And so what Paul reminds them is he says, listen, God made a promise to Abraham. And then 430 years later, God then gives to the nation of Israel the law, the Ten Commandments, Leviticus, right? Uh, Instructions for the tabernacle and how you're going to worship the Lord. And so what happened... After Christ was raised from the dead and and the Holy Spirit is leading disciples to go share the gospel with lots and lots of different people, you have some people who have this Jewish heritage, and they become Christians, and they kind of get confused in their thinking. And what they do is they start traveling around to other churches— And they start, and specifically, they go to one region called Galatia, and they tell these churches in Galatia, if you want to be a Christian, you have to be a Jew first. You have to follow the law. You have to read it. You have to know it. You have to understand it. You have to obey it, right? All the sacrifices, um, all of the feasts, all of the religious uh, orders, all of the guidelines, you have to do that. And so they were kind of confusing these new Christians by saying you have to follow the law in order to be a Christian. And so that's why Paul's writing this letter, and what he's saying is, no. That is not true. That's not the case. You don't have to become a Jew first in order to become a Christian next. Because what he says is that the law does not change the promise that God made to Abraham. The law does not update or edit the promise that God made to Abraham. And so the natural question bubbles up and it goes, well, then what's the the law's purpose? Why then the law? And this is what Paul says. Here's the purpose of the law. It's kind of threefold. It's not the only three reasons, but it's three of them. Paul says first, the law's purpose is to reveal sin to us. He says that in verse 19. It reveals what sin is. And it does that by showing the standard. This is what a relationship with God is really supposed to look like. This is the standard of holiness. This is the standard of being in a healthy relationship with God based on his terms. By the way, that's a simple definition for righteousness. Righteousness simply is a healthy relationship with God based on his terms, right? He sets the terms, he sets the standards, and the only way you can have a relationship with him is if you meet that standard, okay? That's righteousness. And so what the law does is expose the terms, exposes the standard, and in the process of doing that, it reveals our sinfulness, you see? That's one purpose of the law. The second purpose of the law is it's designed to limit our sin. This is verse 24. It limits our sin. Uh, the ESV uses the term, the law is our guardian. Uh, a, I think a, maybe a, a more um, accurate term would be tutor. Okay, the law is our tutor. Now, we think of tutor, we go, oh, somebody who meets with you after school to help you learn math better. Uh, that is not what a tutor was in, in first century. Um, what a tutor was, was actually, it was a slave who worked for a family. And what they did is it was their job to escort the children to and from school or other places that they were traveling, okay? So that was their, kind of like a bodyguard, you would say. But, but not really protecting the children from other people. Actually, their job was to protect the children from themselves. And so the tutor would actually walk around with a stick, uh, right? And so they would have the stick, and they would follow the children to school. And when the children said, oh, you know what we got to do? We should skip school today. The tutor would go, Whack! No, you're going to school, right? <laughs> and they go, okay, we'll go to school. When the children were misbehaving in the marketplace, they go, whack, right? Get back in line. And so this tutor would simply, hey, this is not good parenting tactics, by the way. I don't, I don't know if this is, you know, we don't need to have tutors following kids around Hancock County whacking uh, children with sticks. Some of you guys are going, hmm, right? <laughs> this could work, uh, right? But, but that, say, that's what the law is, the law, essentially, so when you hurt someone else, the law whacks and says you can't do that, and, and it gives a discipline to you, right? When, when you lie, when you take advantage, right? When you go so far in the Old Testament as you kill somebody with intentionality, the law whacks you back and says you can't do that, and so the law is a limiter, of our sin. But then Paul also says there's a third purpose for the law. And this one's a little bit different. Just track with me for a second, that one of the purposes of the law is waiting. The law is waiting. This is verses 19 and verse 24, because in both places, it essentially says that the law was temporary, that the law was waiting for the offspring to come. The law was waiting for the promised one to show up. Because you have to remember that what Paul said is that God made a promise to Abraham and to his offspring, who is Christ. And here's why the promise trumps the law. Because the promise was made to Abraham, and it was partially fulfilled to Abraham and his descendants. But it wasn't fully and finally fulfilled until Christ came. And so you can't have something else come along that edits or changes or annuls the promise when the promise hasn't been fulfilled yet. And so that's why the law is temporary. That's why, right? And so just track with me for a little bit more, okay? And, and, and the scriptures say that when the promised one came, we wouldn't be under the law anymore. Okay? So the law's focus is on sin. Now, here's the third truth that's important for us. It's this, that God brings us into a health. There must be a tutor in, uh, in that, right? <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> oh, that's right. So just kidding. We don't have tutors in the nursery, okay? I'm telling you right now. Here's the third truth, that God brings us into a healthy relationship with him by faith, not the law. Let me say that again. That's very important. God brings us into a healthy relationship with him by faith and not the law, right? Paul makes that very, very clear in our passage. He says, the law does not make anyone righteous and the law does not give anyone new life. You can't be made new by the law. You can't be made righteous by the law. And so the question is, well, then what does? What does make somebody new? What does make somebody righteous? What does it then? And Paul says this, it's faith. Faith in Christ is what makes somebody new. Faith in Christ is what makes somebody righteous with God. And it's always been that way. See, some people get confused and they go, oh, well, in the Old Testament, people were saved by following the law. No, they weren't. Paul makes that clear here. No, they weren't. The law can't make anybody righteous. The law can't give anybody new life. You go, well, then then how is somebody made righteous in the Old Testament? I thought it was the law in the Old Testament, and it's faith and grace in the New Testament. It's been grace and faith always. It's been grace and faith always. How can you say that? I can say that because of Genesis chapter 15. Actually, let's read this passage out loud together, okay? Genesis chapter 15, verses 5 and 6, starting with then the Lord. Are you ready? Go. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. Now pause for just a second a promise is made some promises have been made up until now as well okay now pay attention to what we're going to read together very very clearly starting with and abram are you ready go and abram believed the lord and the lord counted him as righteous because. oh oh righteousness comes by faith even in the old testament Faith that God would do what he said he would do, right? Abraham, he didn't, he didn't realize who Christ was yet, but he knew that God was going to do something, and he put his faith in that. And, and Abram was counted in a healthy relationship with God based on God's terms through faith, not by the law. That's very, very important, for us to know and to understand. Okay, I think I have time. As long as you don't ask really, I'll just say I don't know and move on if you ask really tough questions. So I think, Jesse, are you in, in the house? Uh, Matt, okay, go, all right, we got two. All right, we got two. So maybe we've covered a lot of ground in just a few minutes. So I want to pause and say, what questions may there be here in the house regarding promise keeping, regarding the law, regarding faith and the law, what is maybe a question you've just got kind of stirring in your mind and going, hey, what about, I'm curious, can you help me understand? And the answer may be, I can't. I can't help you understand, right? (laughs) But maybe someone else can. But I think it's worth asking some questions right now. So if you have a question, just raise your hand, and we'll have somebody come and find, with a microphone, you can ask any question that you want. And there's not a question, that's okay, too. We don't do this often, so. Any questions? Oh, here we go. Hi. Hello.
0: Um. Okay, Actually, this whole topic I've been encountering a little bit here and there, and sometimes just as a third party on the outside. But um, there's a lot of Christians who come back and say, this person's sinning or that person's sinning, and they keep going back to using the law to judge them. And they don't even know whether, one, that person is a Christian or not, whether we can hold them accountable to Christian standards. Mm. But two, how do you approach somebody when they forget all about God, the Abraham's promise and about the diff, you know, when they say I'm following, I'm doing good because I'm following what I'm supposed to do. I'm, you know, I'm following the Ten Commandments and such. And they they truly mean it. And they, but there's still an error of Scripture. How do you deal with that in relationship with another believer?
1: Well, uh, great question, by the way. Um, I, I would hire somebody, have them to get a stick, and just. <laughs> no um florence that that question is phenomenal and there's so many layers to that and i'm trying to think of how which ones to tackle first um and do it succinctly um one you said it so well uh, we cannot hold people to a standard that they have not placed themselves under what i mean by that if i have not said yes to jesus christ as my leader and forgiver i cannot hold someone To that standard because they didn't agree to it. Do you understand? Like, they never said they were a follower of Jesus. And so to go, can you believe those sinners are out there sinning? (laughs) I can't believe it, right? They haven't said anything to Jesus. In fact, they said no, they're under the power of the prince of the air, right? And so I think that's a very important. So I think that's one side of it. The, the second part of your question is like, well, what do you do with that in our personal lives? Um, we're going to answer that question in just a moment. So if I can put a pause on that, um, we'll go right to that in just a moment. Um, and, and there was a third uh, issue that you had brought up, and and I don't remember. And so uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, we'll, we'll get to. Is there any other questions? And if not, we, we can come back. So. Great question, by the way. I love it. All right, one more. We'll just do this as the last one, just so we can keep things moving. So,
0: I have a question. What? How do you differentiate between promises that God made to Israel and promises that He makes to us as believers?
1: Oh yeah, that's great. That is a great question. Oh, um, well, let's move on. <laughs> What I would do is I would hire somebody, and um, <laughs> yeah, what you're bringing up is there are some promises that God made to a specific group of people at a specific time, right? So, so I think what Nicole is saying is um, you are probably not going to get all the land that you look upon one day, right? Um, that is not a promise. Uh, the Messiah is not going to come through you. That already happened. Um, and so it's discerning which of those promises are for a time and place Uh, Specific in a group specifically, and which ones are for us as Christ followers? Um, That is a phenomenal question, and so I think some of that's just discernment, right? Um, And we have to be cautious not to take promises—the exact specific ones that God made to uh, people—and and and then carried over to us, and that I'll be able to do that. Um, But rather to look at God's faithfulness, because the ultimate promise is what—that we're made right through Jesus Christ. And and sometimes what happens is, I don't know why, but some Christians almost get bored with that, that it's like, that's not enough to be out of my sin and out of, you know, death uh, and to be joined with God through his Holy Spirit because of Jesus Christ. And it's like, I, I need something else. And that makes me beg the question, what really happened, or were you really discipled well in the front end to understand what Jesus saved you from? Um, so that's a little bit of a way with getting around the specifics that you're asking. I don't know if I can point to specific ones to say, well, that one's for you, that one's not for you. Um, I think there's a sermon. But there are passages like that for us. And is, that, is that a helpful? Okay. Great. Man, you guys always ask such great questions. I feel so incapable. Uh, So let me go back to what I have prepared, because I'm ready for that, okay? So we have these three truths. Um, So it's like, well, what—and thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Matt. You guys did so well. Um, What do these truths have to do for us today? I think it's this. I think this is what Paul is really saying to the Galatians and what he's saying to us today, is we have got to learn the difference between faith and the law— a religion so that we can discern the difference between faith and law. Let me say that again. We've got to learn the difference between faith and law so that we can discern the difference between faith and law. And, and let me just paint broad brushstrokes really quick um, between faith and law and, and, quite frankly, Christianity and every other religion that's out there, okay? Every other religion that's out there is essentially man's pursuit to reach God. And there's all kinds of work and all kinds of effort and all kinds of things that you have to do, and you don't even know that you will reach God at the end of all of your pursuits. That's religion, everyone around the world. Here's the difference about Christianity. This is, Christianity is unique. It's the only one in all of the world that has this stance. Religion is man's pursuit to reach God. Christianity is God's pursuit to reach man. And the difference is, all the work has already been done by Jesus Christ. It's been, remember on the cross, what were some of his final words? It is finished. The work is done. The work is done. And so now our response is to trust. Our response is faith. God has pursued, and God has reached, okay? That's the massive thing there, right? And if you're a born-again believer, if you have the Holy Spirit residing within you, I want you to hear this. You have been made righteous by faith. You've been made right by faith, okay? And if you have been made right by faith, you are, hear this, hear this, you are not required to keep the law for salvation or righteousness, Let me say that again, because some of you are like, you're going, wait wait a second. You are not required to keep the law for salvation or righteousness. And so some of you are going, well, then then the law is useless for Christians. There's no purpose for the Old Testament. There's there's nothing. And here's what I would say to you. No, that's wrong. (laughs) Actually, the law has great value for Christ followers. And I would point out two that I think are important for us. The first one is this. The Old Testament or the law helps us see how big our sin debt really is. The Old Testament or the law, helps us see how big our sin debt really is. See, when I'm reading through the Old Testament, and I'm seeing the standard that the Lord set for us as people, and I'm th- I'm like looking at all the regulations, and everything for purity, and everything for cleanliness, if you touch this, and you do that, and you whatever, like you're unclean, and you can't worship the Lord, and, and you know, all, and I'm like, I would never, I wouldn't make it. And, and I see all of the standards, like I can't I can't do it, Lord. I fall short, and I begin to see just how overwhelming and how big my sin really is, right? And how far I how far off I am. And it's like, why, God, why would you even invite me to know you? Like, don't you see my wretchedness, you see how sinful I am, you see how broken I am. And yet, for some reason, you've done all the work through Christ. And there's a level, some of you guys go, well, if I see how big my sin is, then then at the end of that, I'm gonna feel guilty and I'm gonna feel bad. And I'm going to be more depressed than I am already. No. In fact, if you're outside of Christ, I think that's true. But if you're inside of Christ, if you're in Christ, when you see how big your sin debt is, do you know what actually increases? Not your guilt. It increases your love. Because it's like, how? Why would you do that for me? You're perfect, you're righteous, you're holy, you have no reason to, to carry all, all of my weight. And, and when you realize how just sinful you are and how big your debt is, and you begin to go, that's just my debt. And then there's debt for literally trillions of like people who have ever lived and people who will ever live in the future, that Jesus carried the debt for every single one of those people. It's It's designed to draw us to love and to draw us to gratitude and worship and to be in awe of what God has done. You see, in Luke 7, Jesus talks about this. Maybe you're familiar with this story, but Jesus has dinner with a Pharisee, who, by the way, his entire life was built on being righteous by following the law. That's how he counted on being in a healthy relationship with God. And during dinner, right, they're enjoying some Lee's chicken, and during dinner, this really Jews can eat chicken. Um, and so, uh, right, there's this really notorious woman, right? Uh, the annotation the is that she's sexually promiscuous, right? She may be a prostitute. She comes in, she falls at Jesus' feet, and she worships him. She weeps over his tears, she weeps over her, his feet. She, she, her tears fall on his feet. She cleans up his feet with her hair, right? She's just worshiping him. And then Jesus tells this parable. And at the end of the parable, the point that Jesus is making. Is he says, people who see how big their debt is and how much they've been forgiven, those people love big. Those people love big. They love the Lord big, they love others big because they see how sinful and how much in debt they were. And then he says to the Pharisees, to the Pharisee, he says, people who don't think they really need forgiven because they really haven't done anything and they don't see how big their debt is, he says, Those people love tiny. They love small amounts. They love God's small amounts, and they love other small amounts because they don't think they need the Lord. And that's what happens when we read the law and we see how overwhelming our debt is. What it does is it puts God's love and his grace and his mercy next to that, and it draws my heart in that I'm unworthy. Here's the second thing that I think the law does, is the law shows us how we can please God. The law shows us how we can please God. And I know some of you are going, well, wait a second. You just said that I don't need the law to be righteous. I don't need the law for salvation. Yes, that is true. But what the law does, right, the law cannot save us. But what the law does is it can actually teach you how to worship God with your life. It can teach you, right, how, how to grant forgiveness, it can teach you the expectation of holiness, right? And then it's not that I try to do that under my own power, but I'm like, I'm like begging the Holy Spirit to transform my life. I'm begging the Holy Spirit to empower me, to forgive people that I can't stand. I'm, I'm begging the Holy Spirit to, to like give me patience. Well, like I got two more weeks before the kids go back to school and Lord, I need you, <laughs> right? And so the, what it does is it helps us to see those things that bring joy to the Lord. And so let me encourage you, right? Read the law. Love the law, learn the law, and, but let the law draw you to faith. Let the, lo- the law draw you to see how good God really is in the process. And you've got to learn the difference between law and faith so you can discern that difference, right? And so the first step for a lot of us is actually to become a student. And just very quickly, here's how you become a student, is you start by praying, Right? Just ask God, God, will you help me to see the difference between f- faith and law? Help, help my heart, help my spirit, help my mind to see the difference, because I want to understand that better. Because we're, we're usually drawn to some kind of law. And this is the question Florence was asked. This is the third one I remember now. Thank you. Uh, and so the third one is this. What I'll do, people who kind of pick and choose parts of the law to really double down on, uh, either that is an area of their life where they're really struggling, and so what they do is they hold other people to higher levels of accountability than they themselves can live, right? Or they think they have that wonder under control, and so they put that expectation on absolutely everybody else. If I can do it, you should too. And so you've got to be able to pray for that discernment. But another way to learn is you've got to read. You have to read the Bible, right? You have to read the Bible. You have to read the Bible so you can understand the difference between faith and law, right? Some of you guys are actually ready to take the next step after reading the Bible to to read some books on theology, and, and what some others have thought in regards to faith and law, okay? But you really need to start with the Bible before. Don't, don't just go on what other people say. Read what God has to say about that first. And then the last thing to become a student, I think you've got to listen. I think you've got to ask questions, and you need to discuss this stuff. And there's just no better place at Lighthouse. Like, we just did it really quickly in a few minutes, but there's no better place to do this on the regular than Lighthouse Groups. Right. By the way, those are launching uh, in next month, and so I hope you'll be one of the first ones to sign up for a group here coming up really soon. Um, but we learn so we can discern. And so discernment, you might—I guess this is a word that gets thrown around a lot, too. Discerning is being able to judge rightly in real time. That's discernment being able to judge rightly in real time. So being able to judge, this is faith and this is law. Because what's going to happen, you're going to face moments, you're going to face situations, uh, all kinds of things where you'll either choose faith, trusting the Lord, or you'll choose law, creating some moral code that you follow and you can control and, and you can have some level of leadership in it. And so discerning between those two things in real time. And to get to discernment, here's the biggest thing. You know what discernment requires? Slowing down. Slowing down. And those two words in themselves threaten so many of us in this room because we go from thing to thing to thing to thing, and somebody calls you up and says, hey, can you get together? And we go, sorry, I can't. Uh, Maybe I can open something up in November. And actually what we need to do is we need to slow down. We need to meditate on Scripture, read a passage, and just think about that passage and nothing else. Reflecting on our own lives. How did I live today? Where was the Lord present yesterday? Right? All of those things. Confessing, repentance, praying, listening to the Holy Spirit in real time, right? Discernment requires slowing down. Okay? The reality is, is that you and I will choose law sometimes. We're going to. We're going to mess up. We're going to choose law instead of faith. The Holy Spirit's going to uncover areas of your life where, you cho- where you're choosing and relying on law instead of faith. When that happens, confess. Repent. Right? Go back to the gospel. Go back to faith. Go, go back to the work that Jesus has accomplished on your behalf. Keep going back to that again and again and again, because you're not made righteous by the law. You're, you have been made righteous already through faith in Christ. And so here's just a thought, an idea you might try this week um, to begin to learn the difference between faith and law. Uh, read through the book of Galatians this week. Do one chapter a day. Okay, there's six chapters, one chapter a day. And after you read chapter one, just meditate on what you just read. What does it say about who God is? God, show me the difference between faith and law, all right? ask him to help you discern as you read, right? Just meditate on it. One chapter a day, go through Galatians. So I hope you do that. If if that next step is actually on the back of your connection card, if you want to take that, I would love if you would let me know, because I just want to pray for you, right? I want to encourage you in that um, and and help you. And I'd love to hear what God is saying to you and, and what you're learning through meditating on Galatians. So uh, recently, um, I had a really long day. uh, It it went 16 hours. I woke up like at 3.15 in the morning, and I knew I wasn't going back to sleep, so I just got up at about 10 till 4 and started my day and got to work and whatever. It was a bad day to do that because I forgot I had late-night meetings, and so my day wasn't over until about 8.30 at night. And so by the time the day was over, it was like you know, like, I just want the bed. And, and that night, um, I, my wife and I were blessed with a gift. Uh, two kids who uh, couldn't sleep, uh, right? And they're just inconsolable. And so early on, I'm like mustering up all the strength I can to be nice and kind. Like, oh, it's going to be okay. And like petting their heads and come on, you know, it's all right. And, and all of that. And then, uh, I don't know if you other parents have been there, but uh, I hit the point, I hit it, <laughs> and I was done being nice. I switched into tutor mode, right? And uh, and so now I was tired. I was I was done, and and now I just started shouting out threats, right? Like, you, you get to bed now, and you know, like, you're going to sleep, and I don't care, you know? And it's like, you know, go to bed, and so I'm just laying down the law, and, and so in that moment, you know, like, kids are, are sniffling and crying off to bed, you know, they're settling, <laughs> you know, and, and they're going to sleep, you know? It was great. Uh, you know. But the next, the next morning, I'm up, and I'm reading the scriptures, and I'm praying to the Lord, and I'm reflecting on my day the day before, and it was in that moment that the Holy Spirit said to me, Fritz, yesterday, your kids came to you looking for comfort. And you gave them harshness. Your kids came banking on the promise that when they come to dad, dad will be present and dad will walk with them through tough stuff. And you gave them law. Right? Right? And I realized that, and so I just I confessed that to the Lord, and I repented that morning, and, and I made a decision. And when everybody was up in the house, I called everybody into the kitchen and specifically talked to those two children. And what I did was I apologized to them in front of the whole family, because I'll guarantee the whole family heard what had happened the night before, right? And I asked them for forgiveness, and I told them I want to do better, and I want to do different next time. You know what those two children did? They came and they ran to me and they gave me a hug and they told me they loved me. And we moved on from that point as if nothing happened. And here's what they learned. They learned again that dad makes mistakes. They learned again that dad is relying on faith and grace just as much as he's coaching them to rely on faith and grace too. See, that's the difference between faith and law. Law says you got to get it right every time. And if you fall short, you've screwed up and you've blown it faith in Jesus Christ says, you will blow it. You already have blown it, but you can rely on me to help you walk through it and get it right, right? You need to learn the difference so that you can discern the difference all day, every day. This is what Paul is teaching us to do. I want to invite you to bow your heads and to close your eyes, and I want you to ask Jesus this question, what are you saying to me right now? And then I just want you to listen. lighthouse we we absolutely love to pray for people. So let me tell you what's going to happen right now. The band's going to come on stage and they're going to lead us in one more song. And while they're doing that, we're going to have prayer leaders who are going to be available in each corner of the room. All right, all four corners. And they're going to be available to pray with you about any area at all. all, right? And so during this last song, I don't know how long it'll be, but I don't think it'll be terribly long. And so if you want to pray with somebody, I want to invite you to slip out of your seats, come to the front or go to the back. Um, and to pray with one of these leaders about anything, right? Anything at all. And, and we all need prayer, right? Maybe, maybe you want to pray for your kids, or maybe you're married to a teacher or faculty member, right? You just want to pray with somebody else this morning. Maybe you've got a challenge going on in your life, and you want to pray um, with somebody. That's, that's why we do this. But in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand and invite you to come to one of these corners. But first, I'd like to pray for you. God, there's all kinds of ways that we trust in ourselves and in some kind of law to make our own selves righteous, to sometimes make ourselves look better than the person next to us so that we just feel a little bit better about who we are. I wonder if you would teach us that all of that is just like it's a pitch in the dirt. It is a waste of time. Nobody is made righteous through any law. We only receive new life by grace through faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ because of your overwhelming grace and mercy. And I praise you for that. I praise you. God, I know how sinful I am. You know how sinful I am. You know how sinful every single one of us in this room or wherever we're joining from, like how sinful we really are. And yet you still came and you will not leave us, and you will not forsake us. Thank you. And we're praying for renewal and transformation in our lives. We know that only comes through the Spirit, so we pray you would do it even now. We love you, and we ask these things in the matchless name of Jesus. And I also want to pray, Holy Spirit, that you would draw every person who needs prayer right now. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.